Asset Arrest, your global agent for accessing the property you can't afford. Hello and welcome to the third episode of Asset Arrest, a podcast in which each episode centres around a viewing of a different luxury property that I, Laura Yule, attend posing as a potential buyer with a different invited guest each time. You might call it a kind of property review podcast looking at the high end of residential property in major cities that is being marketed towards a global audience looking to invest rather than purchase what we might think of as a proper home. This episode is the second of a series of Berlin-based episodes that have been made possible thanks to a residency supported by the Newbridge Project in Newcastle, Durham University's Politics of Urban Social Innovation Project and ZKU Centre for Art and Urbanistics in Berlin, where I recently spent two months working and living. This episode features an apartment in a well-known building called Living Levels that has been at the heart of much controversy in Berlin since its planning and construction in 2013. I invited architect Rosario Televi to attend a viewing with me and she specifically requested to see something in this building. Luckily, there was an apartment for sale and I got as an appointment to see a 1.4 million one-bedroom apartment on the sixth floor of the 14-storey block. Rosario is interested in critical spatial practice, transformative pedagogies and feminist futures, which she applies through various spatial, editorial and curatorial strategies. She has been examining Berlin's urban redevelopment since 2007. Before we hear from Rosario, I'd like to tell you a bit more about the Living Levels story. For more than a decade after Germany's reunification in 1990, the areas around the wall remained as crumbling facades and empty spaces, with much of the land owned by the state and reserved for affordable housing. Sadly, this changed when the city was met with crippling debt and unemployment and ended up selling off this land without restrictions to private investors. Completed in 2015, Living Levels is one of the products of this situation. Living Levels is located in the Friedrichshain area of Berlin on Mühlenstrasse 60 in the East Side Gallery. The East Side Gallery is a 1.3 kilometre stretch of the wall marking the former border between East and West Berlin. Now covered in murals by artists from around the world, it's the second most popular visitor attraction in the German capital after the Brandenburg Gate. The East Gallery is now lined with upscale restaurants, office blocks and some of the most expensive expensive real estate in the city as the construction continues. An article in Ex-Berliner in June 2014 states, If you want a glimpse into Berlin's future or futures, take a cruise on one of those Spree River tourist boats. East of Janowitzbrücke, you'll sail past a pair of unfinished apartment projects. On your right, three freshly painted blocks known as Spreefeld. On your left, the concrete slabs of the Living Levels Tower. They don't look so different, but under the skin they represent versions of 21st century Berlin that are light years apart. The Living Level Complex, aka the Death Strip Condo Tower, made world news last year when sections of the East Side Gallery were removed to make way for its construction. The luxury tower is wedged between the Spree and the last stretch of the Berlin Wall. Living Levels is the ugliest example of an ugly trend, profit-driven opportunists filling Berlin's empty lots with housing for wealthy non-Berliners. Real estate broker Nicholas Ziegert told Tagesspiegel that half his clients were wealthy Americans, Russians, Chinese, and Luxembourgers buying a second or third home. They've pushed average prices above €3,000 per square metre out of reach for a typical Berlin family. Five years ago, a group of Berliners band together to build their own first-class apartments at a fraction of market prices. They bought a riverside lot and named their project Spreefeld. The cooperative's members shaped the project from the ground up. Spreefeld is more than an apartment complex. It's a reflection of today's Berlin. 
After working together to make it a reality, its 90 adults and 30 kids are a tightly knit democratic community. Spreefeld's customised flats were built using a standardised kit of parts to keep costs low. As a result, its members pay a refundable fee of €1,000 per square metre to join the co-op, plus a nominal monthly rent. Sitting across the river from Spreefeld, living levels have been sold off to mostly foreign investors. Let's see what the brochure I received has to say. Stunning panoramic view over Berlin. Finest materials and elegance meets modern functionality. Reside at the luxurious living levels right on the bank of the River Spree with a stunning view of the skyline of Berlin. The living levels is currently the largest residential condominium building in this area. Berlin's nightlife pulsates in numerous cafes and bars on the opposite bank of the river. The luxury design apartment in the 14-storey building impresses with an extraordinary ceiling height of approximately 3.30 metres. The view of Berlin's skyline is fantastic. The train station, Ostbahnhof, is not only an important junction for public transportation, but also a local shopping centre. Numerous trendy bars, restaurants and further shopping opportunities can also be found on the other bank of the River Spree in the Rangel Keys. The connection to the airport, train station and public transport is excellent. Now let's go to the cafe where Rosario and I first met to talk. Hi Rosario, thanks for coming with me to view a property at Living Levels in Berlin. We're right on the river. Um, maybe we can start with you just introducing yourself and what you do. So my name is Rosario Televi. I'm trained as an architect in Buenos Aires, Argentina. I live in Berlin and work here since almost 10 years now. And I have a double practice. I work in academia and at the moment at the University of the Arts, uh, coordinating a research project and I also collaborate with uh, Raumlabor Berlin and I have upcoming new project called Soft Agency with my partner Billy Karzewski stems out of a group of women feminist practitioners in, in Berlin. And what will you be doing with Soft Agency? With Soft Agency, we are doing different things in public. We curate a lot of public programming, we, we do books and anything but exhibition making, I would say. Uh, you mean like public spaces at the city you, you work yeah, in? Yeah, and developing mainly programming, programming those spaces so things that exist for a short time. Yeah, yeah. festivals or educational programs. At the moment, we are curating a small festival in the Floating University, which is a project initiated by Ramlava Berlin in mm-hmm. a water basin collector in Tempelhof, and that now became an association. So it started as a Ramlava project, but now it's transitioning into an association form. And within the association with Gilly, we are curating this 10-day festival entitled Climate Care. Okay, so floating universities now that kind of exists on its own as a... Yeah, yeah. yeah. which grew out of the projects. Hmm. Yeah. And are you usually working on quite long-term projects? No. Shorter no. term, yeah. Yeah. In collaboration with others usually. Yes. Medium term. How is the process of working within public spaces in Berlin? And it's challenging, very inspiring as well. You said you've been here 10 years. Yeah. I mean, what way have you kind of seen the city change? I've seen the city change a lot, but I always, I mean, I arrived here in 
2007 for the first time. And it was my first time in Germany as well. And I, I, I saw tremendous change, but I always think about the people that saw change like in the last 30 or 40 years. Berlin is a, it's a city that is constantly changing. Very rapidly changing. Yeah, but rapidly in a different way. Not like we would say in cities like, I don't know, London or, or New York. Like I think there is a different pace for, for this transformation. And um, I was always very much yeah, inspired by, by those dynamics that are not like one direction. Perhaps changes are more invisible, but I think in Berlin, what I encounter is that there is a organized civic society composed of architects and activists and urban planners and like... People are really engaged with what's happening in the city. Yeah. I think this is the first viewing I've done where the person I've invited has actually suggested the property, which is great. So I'm wondering what made you interested in living levels? I am personally obsessed with this building. When I came to Berlin, I was doing assisting in the edition of, uh, of a book entitled Makeshift City. And which then led to a festival I co-curated, uh, which was Berlin First Architecture Festival. And while doing that, and prior to that, I came with the other scholarship where I was looking at the transformation of Berlin voids through collective practices. So in my, in my research, I was very much interested in looking at how those liminal spaces, leftovers, which Berlin was still full of when I arrived, were transformed through, through engaged practices. And while doing that, of course, you look at the at the urban politics of, of the time. And I was following at the time there was a I got it in German the Wunderzischelligenschaft politics. So this was like a round table to discuss the policy for selling off public property, mm. which was in the House of Representatives, uh, because it was kind of I would say a a, a, a moment where. The scene, let's say this creative scene, realized that all these little spaces, free spaces were, were not there anymore. Anyway, but to go back to living levels, I was looking at this and this really caught my eye. And, and I, I came here and I included that in the, in the book with a full-size image as one of the cases that was kind of, in a way, depicting a little bit Berlin politics at the, at the yeah. time. Which year was this? This was 2013. Okay. And that's when and, they started um, building. Yes. Building. And I can maybe read what yeah. I wrote yeah. at that time. So it reads like this. Since the 19th, the restructuring of plots of land along a section of the banks of the river Spree in Berlin, the urban renewal project Media Spree, has been subject to extensive critique. Despite the successful campaign Spree Furale, Spree River Bank for Everyone, a citizen referendum held in 2008 that called for a 50-meter-wide public riverbank and an end to the property speculation along the river. Entrepreneur Mike Uwe Hinkel's Living Bauhaus company is now erecting the area's first 14-story residential tower. The 3 million euros complex at the former death strip of the Berlin Wall cuts a swath through a historical monument preserved since 1991 as the Issa Gallery. The new development also leaves only an eight-meter stretch of the riverbank publicly accessible. In March 2013, massive protests resulted in a petition with 90,000 signatories as cranes removed segments of the Berlin Wall under policy surveillance. With the sales pitch living quietly but centrally at reasonable prices, living levels development with 45 luxury apartments scaled between 48 and 350 square meters is being sold today back in 2013. 
2013 at prices ranging from 2,750 euros to almost 20,000 per square meter. Mm, wow. So this was, for me, I could not really believe how this yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was a, what it is, American famous singer, the, the lead actor in, in Baywatch, very famous for oh, singing um, while the Berlin Wall David was. Hassel. Yes, he came here. <laughs> Again, wow! Yeah. So, like twenty-five years later, after the Berlin Wall, he came to sing again while these uh, protests were happening in solidarity with Good this. Uh, with the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. there's a video there, I can find yes. on YouTube of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is, and there is a, a extensive like um, documentation of the the wall being removed while this building is being erected. Yeah, and that for me was so perverse and. Well, presumably Which, the protesting didn't have any effect then. No, because at that moment, even though there was this um, discussion with the the Vesic, at the Vesic level, like what would take for the Vesic to rebuy this piece, this plot of land, which is actually protected, you know? So for me, this was really absurd, perverse, and uh, that's why it caught my attention. I thought this is quite an interesting case to that reflect on, on, on Berlin's mentality, you know, on, on what's happening today. Yeah, I guess they started selling the apartments maybe in 2015, I think. And I presume they were using this kind of information as, as a marketing fact, you know, you can kind of own a piece of Berlin's history. Yeah. Like when you think about what happened in that, it's called the Death Stripe. Right? Yeah. It's quite, I don't know who wants to live there. Thank and it was one of the Berlin first high rises on this side of the river, which I think that was kind of an interesting... Like the first residential block that was as much as four, 14 stories. Yeah. And for Berlin, this was kind of important development. Yeah. Apparently this guy you mentioned, the developer was quoted yes. saying that he saw nothing wrong with building luxury flats where East Berliners died while escaping. And then he was also outed as being a former employee of the Stasi. So, I don't know if it's a rumor or if it's confirmed. Interesting gossip, nevertheless. Totally. Uh, <laughs> it makes it the, the persona, you know, behind. This is also interesting. This guy was kind of a personality. Mm. With this kind of real estate developers that have certain entitlements to things, which for me, this is also interesting in terms of like the psychology behind yeah. real estate developers. Mm. And this, I mean, living levels is just part of this kind of larger development, right? Media spray. Yeah, media if you're spray. Referring to that, this was kind of an urban development plan laid during the 90s. So the wall came down which was supposed to reimagine this whole industrial site and bring all the media industry to the river. So you have Universal Studios. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. These are, it was not fully completed. Um, because, because uh, money. Yeah, like, right. yeah. Yeah. In Berlin, you have many cases like that. Potsdam uh, Platz is another one. That In some cases, was, the development just didn't happen, right? Like yeah. we kind of had the There were certain back. plans that then didn't happen. This has to do mainly with Berlin in the early 2000s declaring itself as a city bankrupt with a huge debt. So realizing that there was no money for realizing all, all the plans. But that gave birth to this kind of what it falls like the wild 2000s, like this wild mm. years where there was a lot of experimentation, an empty space. And while that was happening, closed doors, the sell-off of this public land was happening parallel. So people would get this vision not so uh, contracts like this interim using interim use contracts to to use the land or a, a building and then there were contracts were extended because there was not a buyer there was not an investor wanting to maybe the, the, this land had already an owner but they were waiting so they were mainly waiting lands 
Okay. And this yeah. is what we see today, the construction boom in the last five years, kind of filling in all these all these gaps. Spaces. And yeah. do you think there still is quite a lot of kind of empty space no. or liminal spaces? No. 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 And when you look at the type of projects are really small little projects, the one that survived or that kind of challenged the the I would say this the state and the market by creating an alternative to either those. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine what kind of people live in this building? I have no I, idea. One time I heard a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine saying that an ex-state fling was buying an apartment and he was German from the south, I think, from a rich city like Stuttgart. But these are all prejudiced yeah. stereotypes yeah, as yeah. well. Let's ask this question. We can ask. Like, who of will course, be our neighbors? I read a quote again from the developer right. online who was boasting when they first sold the apartments that they'd all gone to like international people who's um, for them, it would be their second or third home. So yeah, I'd be kind of shocked if there were even that many people living there, I guess. And we're going to see a one bedroom apartment, which is around 1.3 million. Okay. Uh, it is 106 square meters. 106 with one bedroom. One bedroom. For some reason, they're very keen on promoting the fact they have a 3.3 meters ceiling height. Yeah, for, for uh, Neubau, it's quite general. Like I live in a, also in a Neubau and we have two, 2.6. Everything I've seen so far, I'm, I'm quite impressed by the ceiling height, at least. When they're old, right? Yeah. yeah you've, been, you've been seeing refurbishment of... Uh, the last one I saw was actually a new building in Charlottenburg. This was the most, that was a um, 4.6 million two-bedroom place. But yeah, this one has a concierge as well. And of course, you pay around 500 euros a month extra for maintenance. Mm-hmm. And that includes like heating and house. things. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll just see what it's like. Um, how are you feeling about going into a viewing and I love it. pretending to be interested? That's also one of my guilty uh, <laughs> pleasures. Do you do this? For I don't fun? do the viewings, but I do check on the on the internet for apartments, either in Berlin, like in, in Movilium Scout or even China Anzeige. Yeah. Uh, but also abroad on Airbnb or home exchange. So I'm interested in in, in, in properties, how they are, uh, yeah, market or. I'm interested know, also in why and why this person is selling their apartment. Ah, so it's an old. Uh, I'm presuming someone has already lived okay. there or bought it. Can we calculate the the square meter? The price. price. So we're talking about 12,000 euros a square meter. Wow. It's quite high. I'm not sure what kind of price you could rent something like that out for, like whether it would actually make for a good investment or... They say, what I, I, I was reading a couple of weeks ago, a newspaper article saying that today buying in Berlin just for renting is not uh, profitable anymore. Okay. In terms of the return. Yeah. That it, but buying... And buying, buying, yeah, buying for for you to to, to then sell on after a few years. Yes, yeah, but not in, not if you want to just have these apartments rent because I think the rates right now the, the prices are so high that the investment the return mm. is less than three percent or something like that. It means that the prices of the of the properties are high, and that means that then the rents will increase. And I guess I usually think of like, what is our kind of story? 
like, you know, maybe you're my partner. We both want to live there. You live in Berlin already. Yes. I live in London. I'm moving. We yes. want to buy a place together. They don't yes. usually ask, but I yes. always feel like I need to or have some kind of... maybe I'm your friend. I'm the architect. Yeah. To okay. The yeah, maybe that, property. that instills a bit of fear in them, yes. perhaps. Exactly. Talking so to I an will actual be like architect. more opening the faucets and checking that the water is running with like pressure. Yeah, yeah, okay. And, and I'm the stupid artist. some kind of gesture, the, the gestures of the architect. Okay, good. Perfect. You know, like opening windows, <laughs> checking that touch of all surfaces. Yeah, and... that's asking where the marble is coming from, assuming it has a, a marble kitchen. Assuming. assuming. Let's see. Yeah, let's hope. It, it's not inhabited, right? Uh, it's hard to, I don't know. You don't know. I have a feeling this might be empty from the photograph. Yeah. Um, but yes, let's, we'll go in and then we can talk again afterwards. <laughs> They're not going to see me with this recorder, are they? <laughs> they were quite nice. Yeah, they were nice. We've just exited the viewing. What did you think? I have really mixed feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too much in my, in my role. Role play still. <laughs> it's quite but, easy to get in the role. Yes, totally. And um, I'm, I'm now so confused about the fact I have no money because I keep viewing properties. I'm like, wow, that's quite a good, quite good value. Yeah. <laughs> to be I right was, on the river. Yeah, I was surprised when we asked them about the rent price of such a property that he said 18 euros a square meter today. That would top to less than 2,000 euros for a 100 square meter flat, which is actually, it's not very, I mean, it's super expensive, but it's not far away from any new contract in the city. Yeah. So that, that part I was thinking like. But then they said, I guess it must be true if they said it, that you could essentially set the rent at the market rate because it's a completely new building. Oh yeah. It's so so no, no the, tenant could kind of appeal. Mid, no, the Mitspiegel here, it's not applying. Yeah, I have really mixed feelings. Like outrage is uh, when you see this property is completely empty. This person has another home in Berlin. It's yeah. not even that it's in another city or country. And yeah, he. So do you believe that he's the person who worked on the stone there, or you think they make this up as a story? Because <laughs> I mean, I I was like, oh wow, yes. Yeah. But no, it worked. I mean. Yeah, this is another interesting part of this uh, of this viewing, no? What mm. kind of narrative they construct yeah. to sell you the, the piece of architecture. Yeah, who knows if that's true or not. But it felt like a flat that was never inhabited. A lot of hidden. I was amazed about this obsession of hiding everything yeah. that was the reproductive part of the house. All the cleaning cabinets, the kitchen. I mean, the, the sink. Why would anyone hide a sink? Yeah. A sink is surely not um, a kind of unsightly thing. And it's something you need to use constantly if you actually use the apartment. And also it, the it cooking, looked, the hob. Yeah, was never I mean, used. I opened the, the drawers. They were never used. He had like potato chips. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And like two plates and one spoon. This is, uh, uh, for me, my imagination was like, this is the, the kind of the, the urban single, you know, mm. the kind of flat that a single guy yeah. would inhabit and have as a second home. I don't know, because they say that it was a second home and he had another apartment in Mitte. Maybe he has a normal family and this is kind of his escape. And 
Uh, Maybe I don't understand what people get paid, but would someone, a stonemason, earn enough money to... Yeah. They the company, when I guess. Okay. Or if he did, I mean, also in construction uh, industry, when you are involved in the construction process, you might deal. If he provided all the stone for the uh, for the, you then, get a good deal. Yeah, you get a good deal, and he got the flat. Well, yeah, I appreciate the the story they came up with. Why was there two people? That's strange as well. I've never had two people show me anywhere. That made me paranoid. You know, two two people. I thought, I'm not sure. She said she was the, this was all about very disturbing when she said she, she was the, the key girl, no? Oh. Like the Schlüsselfrau. Oh. And then he was kind of, I don't know. So I he was selling was it. So very extremely gendered, the, uh, the roles they, they were playing. Yeah. That balcony was dreadful. I mean, you could barely stand on it. It was so narrow. Yes. Yeah. Actually, in, archi- in architectural terms, it's not, I mean, the view is impressive and mm. it's glass and it's a feeling you don't have in Berlin, right? Yeah. No apartment I ever been has this kind of facade, especially not a living, uh, like a housing complex. But the, the quality of the spaces, I don't know, there was. Yeah, it was strange, the bathroom as well yeah, in this yeah, kind of like when you strange little maze. Free perimeter and then this bathroom, uh, almost hidden in, a, in, in, in extremely dark. With no ventilation. Yeah, no ventilation. That's not a quality space at all. It's like a, basically a bathroom that you that's not to be used. Yeah. <laughs> With a very nice bathtub, I have to say. Yeah. Yes. But I also found it interesting that he said that the neighborhood is kind of this becoming, but it's a, a very artificial neighborhood. This one. Yes. That's okay. So he referred he referred as this being an artificial network uh, neighborhood and. Yeah. Uh, Cutter to um, for entertainment because you have the arena and all the tourists and so on. Yeah, and um, I thought that was kind of really weak in his negative sale pitch. You know. Yeah. Like they but were do you think making... he said that because he know. thought we might jump to that conclusion? You know, like we don't look like kind of business people or. Yeah, maybe I don't know how they construct or how they react no because this is a blind date do you think they google you before my email signature has my website in it so they could quite easily see i'm an artist and then perhaps they're thinking oh maybe she would prefer to go to bars over there or you know and then i turn up with dirty trainers and who knows what they're thinking (laughs) yeah he didn't really sell the immediate area in any impressive way no there was no yeah i always have in mind like this very like cliche idea of like the, how we see in the movies you know the moment like I don't know I have this sex and the city moment when Carrie's <laughs> looking for this apartment when she's finally she's finally marrying the big and the, and then she's oh, no. like I think two or three episodes are about like her viewing apartments and yeah, like, this, I remember like, that American like New Yorkers trying to like ladies super rich trying to sell this piece of, of, of property and it's very like grandiose you know? yeah, yeah yeah but here they were not even making an effort they strange certainly I think that well for my limited experience of viewing property here in London it feels that there's a lot more effort that goes into it in London because they're really trying to sell things like before they're finished mm. whereas here I mean I'm viewing places that are already owned but also the sales pitch isn't quite as uh 
hard and um, directed. I don't know if that's because there's less of a rush to sell or if it's just because this type of property is newer here. They they were not in the rush to sell. You finally made it to the inside. Yes. (laughs) And I made really nice pictures from the the development. Did you see like the one they're building? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like excavating Uh, and you can see all the public infrastructure next to the wall. So it's kind of a really nice follow up to, to the other image I have. And so we parted ways and I was left thinking about the power of void spaces and this stoned mason's desire to hide every reproductive aspect of the house. To finish, I'm going to pass over to David Hasselhoff with a recording of his appearance at the protest against the construction. I've come to lend my support because I believe this is a piece of history and it's very important to remember all the people who lost their lives in search of freedom. You know the song? I've been looking for freedom. I've been looking so long. I've been looking for freedom. Still the search goes on. Still the 